Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Take action. That's number one. I see so many people that talk a lot about doing deals and they never do them. And ultimately, every deal, if you analyze it long enough, there's going to be more reasons not to do it than do it. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to mention Trevor McGregor. Trevor is a real estate results coach. I've been paying him and working with him for years now. He actually is responsible for giving me the idea to do a podcast. So it's not only about transactions that he gives advice on how to find more deals, how to make more money, but also how to build a holistic plan around your real estate entrepreneurship endeavors. That's what I love about working with Trevor, that and being held accountable for what I say I'm going to do and actually making sure that I follow through and do it. I feel like I'm a pretty results-oriented, accountable kind of person, but it's always nice to have someone who's there guiding you along the way and giving you strategy as well as psychology tips for how to deal with you know the things that come up as a real estate entrepreneur. Trevor has made a wonderful offer for the best ever listeners, and that is that he's offering a free coaching session. Go to coachwithtrevor.com. That's C-O-A-C-H-W-I-T-H-T-R-E-V-O-R.com. Highly recommend him. I've worked with him before. I'm currently working with him right now as my business, as my real estate investing coach. Highly recommend you do the same. Take him up on his offer. Get a free coaching session. Coachwithtrevor.com. Best ever listeners, hello, hello, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and this is a show where we cut out all the fluffy stuff. We don't do it. We just get straight to the real estate advice that moves your business forward. We've spoken to, let's see, Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Jay Papazon, who has co-authored many best-selling books with Gary Keller, and there's going to be a connection in this interview and many others. And with us today, we've got David Osborne. How you doing, David? Joe, I'm doing awesome. Thanks for asking. Yeah, my pleasure. And nice to have you on the show. A little bit about David, and then he'll get into it in more detail. He is the principal owner in the 20th largest real estate company in the U.S. with 2,100 agents responsible for over 19,000 transactions and $4.5 in sales. He's an investor in five Keller William regions. There's a connection to Jay and Gary Keller. Um, It owns 20 plus related ventures and is principal of a real estate investing private equity group. 
He's based in Austin, Texas, and you can say hi to him at davidosborne.com. Straightforward enough. With that being said, David, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Sure, Joe. I'm a all real estate guy. My mom was a real estate agent in uh, in my and my dad was a Greenbrae Colonel, and and I decided to go real estate. It seemed like a lot less order taking and a lot more fun. So I went that direction. I've been doing it since oh 25 years or so now. Built a lot of organizations. Thinking of myself kind of as a serial entrepreneur. I love to get things started and then hire great people to run them for me. And uh, I'm a learning-based individual committed to learning for a lifetime. And most importantly, I'm a father of two beautiful daughters and a husband to a lovely wife. Let's talk about the whole get things started and let uh, you know smart, good people help run them for you. How do you know what to get started? That's a great question. So I tend to believe in going where the water flows. So I'm very goal-driven, very vision-driven. I create a set of goals every year that are compelling for me. And then I also follow the water downhill. Uh, There's two energies, uh, if you will. There's the masculine aggressive energy that charges, and I certainly have plenty of that. But there's also the feminine energy, which would be like the water that carves the Grand Canyon. So I go with the energy of the Grand Canyon carver while using my masculine energy to drive in that direction. So for instance, Real estate. I love real estate because in real estate, all you got to be able to do is make one plus one equal two and a quarter and repeat over a lifetime. And it's not a place where you need to be able to program, write code or cure cancer. You just have to be willing to get into real estate, buy stuff, make things happen in it, and then make a little bit of profit. So to me, that's going where the water flows. Like if I tried to be a a chemical engineer, uh, like I think you just told me someone near and dear to you was a my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah you can okay, say Okay, yeah. I just didn't want to put you on the spot, man. I was single for a lot yeah, of years yeah, yeah. before I got married. So I was a chemical, she was a chemical engineer. I could never be that, right? That would not be a path I could choose. I wasn't a great student. I wasn't uh, super studious. There's no chance that I could be that unless I really slammed my masculine and tried to climb that wall. Instead, why not just go with the flow? And the flow to me was right into real estate. And I, I love it. I mean, it's easy. It's straightforward. It takes courage. It takes uh, a little bit of brains. But ultimately, you don't have to be a chemical engineer to figure out how to flip a house and make 25% return or buy a rental and, and increase the rental revenue from it and make your 15% return. So I believe in going where that opportunity lies. So if you'd asked me in 2007, I was all cash because right then everything seemed extremely hot, overpriced, and I couldn't find anything to buy. So I just built cash. And then in 2011 and 12, I was riding around with uh, another one of your guests, I believe, that your best ever listeners have heard before, Pat Hyben. And we were looking at investments all across the United States. We went to Dollar General stores. We were down by the border. And we kind of looked at each other one day and said, you know, we could buy anything right now. It doesn't matter what we buy. It's going to do great. The real estate had been crushed. It had been hammered. And yet people were still coming to the country. The demographics were still good, especially in the South. Interest rates were at an all-time low. And all building had pretty much ceased. So at that point, the going with the flow was to buy everything possible. And that's what I did. I put all my chips in in 2012, bought as much of everything as I possibly could. And then what happened? The economy came back. It's a lot easier to make money in a rising economy than in a declining one. And so we got the benefit of being willing to take risk, willing to take action, having enough smarts to get stuff that was sensibly priced. And then the huge lift from an economy that recovered from the worst real estate recession in in my lifetime. When you say go where the water flows, it sounds like from how you're describing it, it's go with what comes natural and allows you to use your skill sets that you've refined the best. And I wonder, with all the opportunities in real estate, 
I mean, real estate, you know, it's it's a really broad business and there are many different types of niches from industrial to retail to storage units, single family, multifamily, whatever. How do you determine which direction you want to go? And even within that, like different tactics and approaches from wholesaling to, well, I guess you wouldn't wholesale, but for, you know, different tactics within that. Yeah, that's a great question. So first off, Going with the flow means putting yourself in the place where you have the best opportunity to win. So Sun Tzu said in The Art of War, know yourself and you'll win half of all battles. Know your enemy and you'll win half of all battles. And if you know both, you can't lose, right? So from my point of view, the message or the learning from that is know myself, is understand my strengths, my weaknesses, what I'm good at, what I'm not, and try to put myself to use my strengths in a place where I can win. The second thing is know your enemy. Well, we don't really have enemies today. We're not at war, but it's know your marketplace. To me, it's know your field. So I know my field. And in real estate, as you said, there's so many options. In fact, I just bought a uh, put a deposit down on this condominium tower they're building in Austin, Texas, 55 stories. It's called The Independent. It's massive. It's going to be incredible, but I could not be at this point in my career with the knowledge and skill set I have, the guy that would break ground on a 55-story Class A condominium complex. So I was at the groundbreaking, and it was super cool, super exciting, and I have no interest in going that direction. I know me. My strength is to find undervalued assets, C-class mostly properties, sometimes B-minuses, and take them at a below market value because they got a little bit of work or a little bit of hair, and I can fix that stuff. None of it requires a genius level IQ. What it requires is a, a willingness to get to work, a little bit of grit, uh, ability to assemble a great team, and then the, the willingness to take action and risk that capital on that asset. So my strength zone, Joe, is to be in that C-class property space, B minus, uh, and it makes me feel good. It makes me feel comfortable. I can also put enough cash down that there's really, the downside is covered. So my goal in real estate investing is always to not lose any money. That's my first goal. So cover the downside and then ride the upside. So whether that's 10% return or a 50% return, as long as I don't lose any principal in the long run, I'm always going to win. So that's me, right? That's that's knowing my strengths, knowing my weaknesses and knowing which battlefield I want to engage in. Now, inside that C space, as you said earlier, there's industrial, there's multifamily, there's single family. And the answer to that question is I'll go wherever those make sense. As long as I can get my head around it and I can feel comfortable with it. We bought everything from coffee shops to multifamily properties that were on the verge of being condemned to commercial office buildings that were pretty nice class B minuses that cost us $10 million. So as long as I can get my head around it, I even bid once on a industrial space in the South that had a train track to it. So literally it was like where you could roll up a train, load up whatever you needed and roll it off. We missed it by 0.5% on the bid. And in hindsight, we'd have crushed it if we'd have bought it, but we didn't win it. So uh, at the end of the day, I'll bid on anything I can get my head around. And, and I also go where I can understand it. I have to be able to understand it. You said you find undervalued assets and take them from below market value where they should be. And then you said it requires a willingness to get to work, grit, put the right team in and risk capital. What deal that you've done in the past has required the most grit? That's a really good question. Most recently, I mean, ultimately, I built my Keller Williams franchises. And, and every year that I dealt, did that, I went pretty much all in. It's easier to go all in when you don't have anything. That's one thing I've noticed is I've achieved a higher <laughs> level of success in life, right? So my first franchise I opened, we were burning through 5000 a month. Then I, my entire net worth was thirty five grand. So that was five, seven months of operating capital, and I'd be out of business. And then I reduplicated that over and over again all the way through the early 2000s. But that's a unique deal because that's an operating business. Yes, it's real estate related. It's also a franchise. Let's go to a pure real estate play. 
It was 2012. I'd been buying bulk homes through Fannie Mae. I'd gotten into this through some other guys that were doing it that I originally invested in. And then I went direct to the source, just started buying bulk homes. And then all of a sudden I met a guy and he's like, we can buy the debt on these homes. So we can go straight to the debt and we can buy the debt and it'll be earlier in the buying cycle. So there'll be less competition if you're willing to take that risk. So I think this was around 2013 now. The cycle was still really good time to buy, but it was definitely healing. So there weren't the screaming deals you could get in 12 and 11. So I went that direction and I hired an MBA who was much smarter, brainier than I am. He's an MBA from MIT, very bright guy. And I hired another MBA from Austin, Texas. And the two of them brought me a deal and it was basically 3.6 million all cash to buy it. And it was buying notes that had underlying real estate attached to them, right? So buying those notes was outside of my comfort zone. It was a stretch for me. It was a bigger deal because I didn't read the notes. I mean, we had four different portfolios of loans and there was tons of documents, like tons of sub loans within those loans for borrowers, basically. But I trusted the guys. They were smart. They'd come from the background. One of them would work for Beal from Beal Bank, who made billions in the distressed space. And they showed me the analysis. I walked through it with them. I asked a ton of questions, asked them if they'd called the realtors. We made sure we did our ground game, which is getting guys on the ground uh, to some of this was in Ohio, by the way, not that far from you to make sure it was valid and that the underlying real estate was worth what it was. And then I ultimately pulled the trigger. And to do that, Joe, I obviously pay all my tax payments, but I had to say to my accountant, look, it's March. I may not have the full amount to make my quarterly payment this month in April. Can you figure out a short-term line of credit for me? So I ended up having to borrow money to pay my taxes in full from a source that I kind of knew in order to go all in to buy this $3.6 million all-cash real estate acquisition that we bought. And it turned out great. Three of the four loans made seven hundred and seventy thousand, and then the fourth one lost fifty. So we ended up making like over seven hundred grand on you know three point six million invested, and you know most of it came back within twelve months, and some of it came back a little bit longer than that. So it was a great investment, but that's an example of trusting my gut, doing my analysis, doing the grit, having a great team, and then being willing to go all in when required. How many times should you go all in? Wow, that is such a great question, man. I am willing to go all in every time that my gut and everything aligns for me. I think one of the wirings you have to have to be an entrepreneur and to be a successful investor in real estate is courage. You know, I could use a, a cruder term, but it's definitely courage. Like it's, it's just a willingness to, to, to risk things and put them on the line. And from my point of view, um, I'll do that every time I feel like a deal has enough guarantee of upside that the downside risk is minimum. And I felt like, for instance, in that last deal that I described, like the worst case, I got the real estate, worst case, even with a decline in the market, we would still make money on that real estate. Now, the reality is worst case is I hadn't read those loan documents and something in them didn't give me the rights to the property and I'd lose everything. So there was a worst, worst case. Uh, but I, mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty minimal. So I think you should go in every time you feel called to go in. I mean, we have a very short time here on the earth you know, and I think when you're here, the more risk you can take and the more aggressive you can be while being prudent, the more exciting and interesting your life will be. So I'm 48 now, so I'm accepting the fact that I'm older. But if I saw the right opportunity right now and it needed me to go heavy in, I probably would. But whereas when I was 27, I went 100 percent in right now, I might go 50 to 60 percent in. And you said you're married with a couple kiddos, right? Yes, sir. What's that conversation like with your wife 
when you go all in? You know, there isn't one, Joe. I, I My wife loves me, trusts me, and she lets me run the business world. You know, I, I have something like close to 40 income producing entities, uh, probably 19 operating businesses, you know, hundreds of employees direct and thousands of agents work in the world that I'm responsible for. And she just trusts me. She just, she's there to support me. She's got my back and she doesn't really ask too many details about what I'm up to. When you were working on the Keller Williams franchises and you had your first one and you said you're burning through 5k expenses a month and you had think 35k in the bank were you together then and if so and if you don't feel comfortable discussing that's that's fine but i'm just curious like from a you know because as entrepreneurs i understand that mentality as an as an entrepreneur i certainly understand that mentality and i have that mentality but then there's also the significant other variable and so when you were at that at that time were you together and if so what was that like you what we were started we started dating as I was getting further down that road. I'd already started, so we've dated and been together now for fifteen years. You know, I, clearly, Joe, I'm, I wasn't the easiest guy to date. I was very driven. I put work very high in my life back then. I worked a lot of hours. I traveled a lot, and she was just always very supportive. And I didn't realize quite how lucky I was until my dad got sick and ended up dying of cancer. And that's when she really stepped up to the plate. And was there for me at a time when I was facing grief and, and, and sadness at a level that I hadn't experienced really as an adult. And uh, that's where she shines. And as far as what I'm up to business-wise, honestly, I think if, if I came home and I'd made a million bucks one day, she'd say, that's nice, honey. Would you please help me clean up the kitchen and empty the dishwasher? And if I came home on a day where I was super mad and I'd lost a couple million bucks on the worst deal ever, she'd say, I'm sorry to hear that, honey. Would you please help me and clean up the kitchen and empty the dishwasher? So she's not money driven. She's not career you know, driven from that perspective. She's just super supportive and there for me. But I do talk to entrepreneurs. I say, look, I don't need my wife to be lockstep in with me with everything I'm trying to accomplish. I just need there not to be a resistance to me trying to live a large life. And as long as I don't have that resistance, that's okay. Most of the guys I know that are hyper successful don't have wives that walk lockstep beside them. In fact, the ladies I know that are super successful, usually one side is more supportive and nurturing and one side is more driven. And that's what I think makes a, a good balance. So that's what I have with Tracy. I mean, I even am massively goal set driven. I write 80 goals a year and I focus on them on a continuous basis. And Tracy doesn't do that. And that's great. And that's, she's, she's got her path. She should choose what inspires her. She should be the best Tracy she can be. And I won't stand in the way of her doing that, and she won't stand in the way of me being the best David I can be. That's what I think makes for a working relationship. But I'm certainly no expert. David, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Take action. That's number one. I see so many people that talk a lot about doing deals, and they never do them. And ultimately, every deal, if you analyze it long enough, there's going to be more reasons not to do it than do it. So ultimately, you have to take action. Because even the deals I've lost money on, I've learned from. So you got to take action. That's that's the number one thing. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it, Joe. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Are you looking for a turnkey property? If so, then I recommend you check out turnkeyreviews.com. It's Bree Smith's company. You'll recognize her name as a loyal best ever listener because she's a guest on episode 48. And they review all of the turnkey companies so you can search you can compare and also give reviews of turnkey companies across the united states 
Go check it out, turnkey-reviews.com. Best ever book you've read. As a man thinketh, but I can't just do one, so I got to say, as a man thinketh, <laughs> Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and the autobiography of Ben Franklin. Oh, okay. Pick any of those and whichever one you want to choose, sure. and why is that something you mentioned? Autobiography of Ben Franklin, because here's a man that was dedicated to personal growth and self-improvement. He would take one virtue and work on that for, I don't remember if it was a day or a week. I should probably go read it again, but he was just continuing. He was also like the first franchisor because he took his printing business and he created another one which he let the guy earn half of and he ran it through him that was like almost the original franchise concept he's just a super a curious man driven by personal growth and being the best he could do be while he was on this planet so that's why i like the autobiography of ben franklin i'm going off road and off script a little bit here from questions i've i had beforehand but i don't even i don't even know if you looked at i did i did anyway. i'm all ready to go okay. man well 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 i'm gonna <laughs> throw a curveball curve okay all right. Best ever advice you have for someone starting out as a real estate agent? So if you're starting as a real estate agent today, the number one thing you need to do is be willing and able to prospect. You have to lead generate that. Real estate in and of itself is pretty easy once you've got a lead because then it's about relationship and serving people and taking care of them. So the number one thing you need to do is be willing to prospect, prospect, prospect and understand that you don't need the perfect listing presentation. You don't need the perfect buyer presentation. You need clients that you can serve. So learn how to be a master prospector and everything else will fall into place. What's the best way to be a master prospector? Having the courage to make connections. It's it's a contact game, just like doing deals if you want to be an investor. If you want to be a great real estate agent, you have to touch and connect with people on a regular basis. Whether you do it on the phone, do it on person, whatever. Just like we talked about earlier, go where you're best. If you're best on the phone, make a bunch of phone calls. If you're best in person, join communities. Go knock on doors. Go speak to people and meet them at networking groups. But just get in front of people and, and make a goal of contacting 100 people a week or two hours a day or whatever works for you. Set that goal and let that lead generation time be the number one thing the one thing, as Jay and Gary Keller would say, that you do before anything else happens. And if you'll do that one thing in real estate, it's impossible to fail. Best ever advice for someone who wants to own a Keller Williams franchise? Be learning-based. Go join a Keller Williams. Be an agent. Succeed at a high level. Learn to help grow the business by recruiting great talent and plug into the training. Keller Williams has the best training in the world. We've got Keller Williams University. Uh, you can go plug into that and be a part of that, and, and that'll show you whether you're a match. But my real advice is make sure you're a match for owning a franchise before you do it and uh, assemble an awesome team if you are to build it. It takes more than one to build a killer Keller Williams franchise. Best ever personal growth experience and what did you learn from it? Being a dad is the number one thing that's happened to me that's changed my life. That and losing my dad. I can never give you just one, can I? But having my dad die and, and then also uh, being a dad. Uh, being a dad is about selflessness and sacrifice and giving at such a high level. And, and, and there's, it's such a rewarding experience to give to your children. And just the gain from that is incredible, just complete service. And then losing my dad taught me that no matter what I do, uh, there's an end. And I used to sometimes think, I think some of us think there is no end, but there is an end. And so really enjoy the moments, like really make sure you get plenty of family time in, make sure you're looking after your body, exercising, do the big rocks, the adventures, the bucket list stuff, because it does end and you definitely want to make sure you use life while you're capable and available and it's available to you. Tim Ferriss has that question to some of his guests, what would you put on a billboard? And I've always thought if he ever asked me that question, my, my billboard would say, we are dying. <laughs> That's cute. And, and I'm such an optimistic, like glasses half full kind of guy, but it's true. You know, I, I, I heard, heard it one time where um, the people who 
uh, are get upset over the small stuff, think they're going to live forever. Absolutely. I mean, you think about uh, Steve Jobs used to say, I, said, I think he said something like, I'm already dead or whatever. He was so advanced in the future, he knew. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are here a very short time. We come, you know, we're dust, basically. And so everything, when you look at it from that lens, is like, it's so much smaller. It's so, And, and it also gives you so much greater courage, because really, it doesn't matter what you do. You're going to end up in the same spot, right? So really go after it and try to maximize and enjoy it as much as you can while you're here and part of that enjoyment means taking risk getting uncomfortable stretching your comfort zone and just pushing your boundaries best ever deal you've done i've got two but i'm going to go to the one for your listeners the best ever listeners because from my point of view uh, i bought my first house in austin texas in 95 for seventy-seven thousand. i put 20 grand down i lived in it turned it into a rental two years later in 2001, I refinanced it and took 60 grand out. With that 60 grand, I bought three other properties, 20 grand on, out, down on each in, in Lubbock, Texas, and sort of West Texas. So today, those houses, all of them, all four of them, the original and the next three, were on 15 year notes. So they're about to be paid off. When they're paid off, they will be worth approximately 600,000 in equity. They will cash flow 2,800 a month, 4,000 gross, 2,800 a month net. Which will be over thirty thousand, say thirty-five thousand. So that's an original twenty grand was the original investment, not counting any positive cash flow from rent, letting the tenants pay them off, and today six hundred grand in equity and a cash flow of thirty-five thousand a year in a period of you know eighteen, nineteen years. And if you run that backwards, which I did once, it's a seventeen percent annualized return for twenty years. By the way, if somebody said today, I'll give you seventeen percent. For 20 years, guaranteed, there's no chance you could not have it. I will. I would sell 100% what I own and put it in. <laughs> so that's how good that return is. And Warren Buffett only shoots for 15%. That's what I'd shoot for on my holes. And and that gives you an example of a very small acquisition. One did great. Austin, Austin's blown up. But the three in Lubbock haven't really appreciated that much. So you can't say, oh, he's just lucky because he's in Austin. And you just look at that across the board. And that's what's possible in residential real estate, which is why everyone should own at least one rental property um, in order to have a better retirement. Shout out to all my friends at Texas Tech and in Lubbock, I went to Texas Tech. My, my wife did too. Oh, nice. That's well, up. no one? That's yeah, up. there you go. Best ever way you like to give back. I'm a massive proponent now of Charity Water from, from New York and a Glimmer of Hope, two organizations that bring clean water to people all around the world. I've made uh, three-year commitments to both organizations. Gave them over, I gave them six figures last year. And um, it's all about bringing clean water to people. Once you realize, you know, seeing Scott a couple years ago on Necker Island with Branson, I was crying when the guy was presenting for two hours. Tears are streaming down my face because 750 million people in the world do not have clean water. So every day they get up, their their mission is to get clean water. Uh, Their kids can't go to school. They can't really wash their clothes. They just have to find water. So that's that's absurd and it's not acceptable. And so right now, my heart is, is pulled by those two organizations that are bringing clean water to people uh, that are far less fortunate than us. And you talked about any problems we have in life. Let me tell you, we have no problems when you consider that we have clean water every day. We have clean food every day, mostly, and uh, except maybe in Flint, Michigan, which I think you were born in, weren't you? Um, yeah, my 100-year-old grandma is in Flint right now. Wow, how about that? Yeah. So that yeah. so that's so that inspires me, motivates me. I'm looking forward to going to Ethiopia and checking out what we're up to. And I was invited to Mozambique re- recently, but I don't think I'm going to make that one. Um, and, but that's super inspiring to me. Of like, wow, we can't we can't have a single complaint. Our lives are amazing. Even even an average American life is amazing compared to what these folks have to deal with. And so that's what inspires me right now. 
What's the biggest mistake you've made so far in real estate? Not buying more of it, man. I mean, Austin's exploded and I own five homes here. I should own 50. Um, it goes back to taking action and that short time we're here, the dash between your birth date and your death date. Yeah, the more real estate you own, buy real estate and don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. Uh, um, and that's it. Really just do more, be engaged more. When you when you have a yes or a no and there's risk involved and there's enough things lining up for the yes, you should always choose the yes. What's the best ever place the best ever listeners can reach you? DavidOsborne.com. You go there. You can find me on Facebook. I think it has a link from it. Um, you can email me through that as well. So uh, I also wrote a book coming out in February of 17 called Wealth Can't Wait. And it's all about the strategies for uh, being a wealthy human being, which means not just money. It means healthy, abundant, generous. That's what wealth originally meant. And that's what we're going back to with this book. David, I love this conversation. Thank you for being on the show, sharing your advice with the best ever listeners and talking about your story, uh, how you follow your gut when you, you look for undervalued assets and you uh, capitalize on those undervalued assets. You put yourself in the best situation to win just from a a strategic standpoint and then you put the right team members along with the right capital uh, work and grit uh, to all put that together and, and have a successful venture. Really appreciate you sharing advice on how to get started as real estate agents as well as uh, franchisee owners um, in addition to the um, the refinance and take the refinance and uh, invest in all the other properties and then sit and wait and let the real estate thing do its thing. So appreciate everything that that, uh, you've shared with us today and hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Did you achieve all your real estate goals in 2015? Well, if you did, congratulations. Fist bump to you. If you didn't, then go to coachwithtrevor.com. Trevor McGregor is my business coach, my real estate coach. He's also been a guest on the show, episode 320. He is offering a free coaching session for the best ever listeners. Just go to coachwithtrevor.com and it'll help you to achieve your real estate goals in 2016.